Thank you, Mom. Today we're going to continue our Renew My Mind series, and we're going to talk about a word called conversations. We've looked at so far in week one, clutter. If we're going to renew our mind, we've got to get clutter. How many know we got clutter in our minds? We've got to deal with the clutter. Number week two, we talked on change, and that is why we need to have our minds renewed. Last week, we talked on hunger. Um, you have to have a hunger, and whatever you hunger for is what will renew your mind. So you've got to begin to have a hunger for the Word of God in your life. And today, we're going to talk on conversations, which will make sense in a few moments. But uh, I have purposely, over the last three weeks and today, been very high level, not deep theological, I'm trying to set a mind shift framework that we are operating under. I think I'm going to do one more week, and then for the following couple weeks after that, we're going to get in some deep theological, Bible, renewing your mind type things, but I needed to get a groundwork established so we all know what that means, okay? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, awesome. If you have the right kind of conversations, it will affect you the right kind of way. If you have the wrong kind of conversations, it will affect you the wrong way. You can have the right kind of conversations at work, at home, with your family, and with having the right kind of conversations, you will reap a harvest of what the right kind of conversations bring forth. This will make sense as we progress this morning. When I was in, or whenever we were in San Diego, I was told by my direct report, I worked at a church, we had gone in, Sunday was our first Sunday there, we didn't officially start until Monday, and uh, went to church Sunday, started connecting with people, loved what we were doing, having the time of our lives. Monday, I go to my first official staff meeting uh, on staff. That afternoon, I get pulled aside by my direct report and says, hey, um, we know you're good at what you do, that's why we brought you here, but there's one other thing that we need you to do, and that is we know that you're strong-willed. <laughs> it's Father's Day, you have to be nice to me. We know that you're strong-willed, but we also know you care more about the local church and doing what's best for the church than you do about yourself. A lot of people get into a church staff position, and I'm just throwing some things out there, that they tend to care more about their job title and their position than they care about the capital C church expanding the way it's supposed to. And in this particular organization, there was a department who was the biggest department that the church had. It was what the church was known for, but the department was very unhealthy, uh, as in we had 330-something full-time staff. They would walk by you and never speak to you. We would have mandatory Bible studies, and they would not show up for mandatory staff Bible. Like, this department was so unhealthy. I didn't know all this at the beginning. I find out Monday afternoon after I'm on staff, and I've already signed all my paperwork that I can't leave, but I find out Monday afternoon, hey, we need you to go in here and break up this department. And I said, well, that's not really, like, what I'm good at, like, I'm more of like, hey, let's be friends. It's a long time church thing. We're going to go slow on this. And they said, nope, 
I need you to go in there tomorrow and wreak havoc in that department. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. And he said, no, this is why you're brought in. The senior management knows. I said, oh, okay. So Tuesday, we went into our meeting. We sat there uh, in, a, in a room a little bit larger than this, and the whole team was there. And um, they're talking, and it's inside, I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. You know? Like, I'm, I can't do this. Um, they're, they're talking. I'm just listening. Oh, that's a great idea. Introducing myself. Hey, I'm, so, I'm looking forward to be on your team. And then all of a sudden, I get a text from my direct report, um, disassemble the minions. Okay. And all of a sudden, uh, this little bitty nice guy that was in there who was over my head, really, because this was a very, we had, uh, our last night there, we had 40,000 people in physical attendance. Very large church. Uh, I, I wasn't from that large of a church, so a little intimidating, and, and so, okay. And so, um, I'm standing there, or I'm sitting there, and I say, well, that doesn't make sense why you're doing that. And everyone just turns and looks, because like no one disagrees inside this room, because the head honcho says something, and everyone else just says, yes, sir. And I said, well, that doesn't make sense. And they're like, well, that's because you don't know. I said, no, it's because you don't know. And he looked at me, and he was like, who the blankety blank do you think you are? I said, I'm here to make everything right in this place because you've been screwing it up for the last five years. You ready to go? And he looked at me like, who the battle was on? And uh, we went back and forth. This hour, this meeting went about an hour and I never raised my voice a single time, but the, the meeting ended with everyone walking out, yelling and screaming, and I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I did what I was supposed to do, I rocked this out, and then I get a, a text about an hour later, hey, you woke the sleeping giant, good job, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. Well, fast forward to the next day, I get brought into the senior levels office. Hey, Taylor, uh, we know you're new here on staff, but what did you do yesterday? I said, I did what I was told to do, and I was told that you all knew about it. <laughs> and Mr. Stevens looks at me and says, um, I regret to inform you that we did not know anything about what you were doing, and to be quite honest with you, your direct report is the one who has the beef with that main guy, and he set you up to fail. Ah, oh, man. I, at that moment, in disbelief, could not fathom I would be in this situation. Three days into the dream job, and I now have a staff full of people who hate me. Wrong kind of conversations will lead to wrong kind of results. And Mark looked at me, and he was like, do you think you can pull yourself out of this? We believe in you. We know you're the right guy, like, what you did yet, and he began to give me some backstory, and I said, I can pull myself out of this. I didn't have a clue at the time how I was going to, but I figured I can pull myself out of this. So I went right after that meeting, and I did not meet with the head of the department. I went to go start meeting with the minions that we disassembled the day before and begin to express my gratitude towards them and how much they meant to me and explain to them what happened. And all of a sudden, this team of people who were completely wanting me 
killed, thrown out, rolled over. They wanted me gone. Within a week, we were the strongest team that the church campus had because I changed the conversations the way that it would reflect the outcome that needs to happen. There are conversations that we have every day that take us down a direction that will lead to destruction. So the question I want to propose to you this morning, what kind of conversations are you having? But it may not be the kind of conversations that you are thinking about. The lesson that I learned in all of this is words are like seeds. When you speak something out, you planted a seed and you give that seed the ability to grow. Does that make sense? I said something, I planted a seed, and the harvest that I reaped was death. <laughs> you know, like they wanted to kill me. But I learned very quickly, if I plant the right kind of word seed, the harvest will produce the proper kind of harvest. I planted bad seeds that day. And once I planted the bad seed, it took me 10 times the amount of work that it would have taken me if I would have planted the right kind of seeds. That's how come some of you say something and you're like, I didn't think I was getting in trouble by saying that, but you planted a bad seed and it's going to take 10 times the amount of work to get yourself out of what you put yourself into. If you would have just had the right seed to plant to begin with, you never would have had to go through the fight of having to contradict all the stupid stuff that you did. See, he gets it because he said a lot of dumb stuff. All right. When you live with a renewed mind, you have to understand the words or the seeds that you plant will create a harvest. And if you don't address the seed that's planted quickly, the harvest becomes larger and harder to deal with. Let me, let me say this a different way. When you have the right conversations and you realize you plant a bad seed, go quick and make it right. The longer the conversation festers inside of whoever you had the conversation with, the more difficult the seed is going to be to pull out because it's had time to germinate. It's been watered. It's been fertilized because they are thinking something that you are not. So if you have planted bad seed, go pull the seed out. Quickly. In our conversations we have, when we don't live with a renewed mind, we are going to plant some bad seeds. The renewed mind is slow to anger and abounding in love. In 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech. He used his words to express a call for equality and freedom. If he would have never made the speech, the outcome would have never came about. When you speak something, you release that what you are speaking to come to fruition. The same is true in the negative way. The flu season is here. I always get the flu. 
they're having an audit at work, and I, I, every year I'm the one who gets the audit. I drive this car, and every day I just hope I go out there and it starts for me the first time. You plant seeds of a harvest that you will reap. So what kind of seed are you planting? Flu season is here. Great. Doesn't bother me at all. I don't care. I'm not going to plant a seed that will reap a harvest of defeat, of destruction, of anything that lacks what the word of God says I can have and how I can operate. If you realize it or not, the issue becomes the conversations that you have in life will be what presents to you your life. If you have conversations of, I, I, I just don't think that I can ever become anything, guess what? You'll never become anything. If you have conversations that I'm always going to be broke, I'm always going to be under bondage, which I think the Lord just released some of you. Uh, if I think, if, what are you going to be? Broken in bondage. You've got to change the seed that you are planting in your outline proverbs 18 21 which you don't have a mic uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue it says the same verse in a different translation i like this verse better or this translation better your belly shall be filled with the fruit of your mouth in other words you eat the fruit of the seeds that you plant you eat the fruit of the seeds that you plant. You are planting seeds when you talk, and at some point, you will eat the fruit of the seed that you plant. Are you following me this morning? That day at church in San Diego, I planted some bad seed, and I had to eat that fruit. It didn't taste good. I had to go and work harder to get that fruit removed and plant the right kind of seeds. It's time that we plant the right kind of seeds. You've heard a thousand times, you can't plant an apple tree and get oranges. Why do we expect it to be different when we say our words? You can't say words that hurt and expect everyone else just to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> he's just okay. It doesn't work that way. The seed that you plant is the harvest that you reap. You can't plant seeds of doubt and expect faith to come. You can't plant seeds of defeat and expect to live in victory. If you don't like seeing how things are turning out in your life, let's start with changing with what you talk about, changing what kind of seeds you plant, changing what you're saying about anything and everything. You are a byproduct of what you have spoken over the last 50 years. If you don't like where you're at, change what you're doing. Okay. I knew this was going to kind of fall on you. I was in a customer's home a couple weeks ago, and she, felt, she told me she was sick, and she said, I knew I was going to get sick. I said, well, how did you know you were going to get sick? She's like, my grandma was sick and died of the same thing. I said, okay, but why does that make you sick? And she said, well, my mom got sick and died of the same thing. I said, again, why does that make, because well, I just knew it was always going to be that way. I personally believe if she would change what she said, she would not have received the same diagnosis. You heard me say this a few weeks ago, but my Aunt Nancy said that a doctor friend of hers told her that 90% of medical problems people have would go away if they change what they say. They hear 
a medical report and they begin to believe that report instead of naming what that report is, and that's a lie of the devil. 90% of people would be healed or I think she said, the, the way she said it, would, would not have the issues they have if they change what they said about the issue. James 3.10 in your outline. Yeah, go for it. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. With your words, you can curse your future or you can bless your future. Sometimes I think we are blaming the enemy that sometimes life stinks when in reality it's a result of the words that you have spoken in your life. We're giving the devil entirely too much credit. <laughs> Our daughter, Abigail, eight. The other week I was walking by the bathroom. The door was open and she was standing in front of the mirror. She was combing her hair and normally when she's brushing her hair, she's singing or she, she, just, she, just, she loves to sing. And I said, Abigail, what were you saying? Because she wasn't singing this time. And she's like, go away, go away. And she got embarrassed. And I was like, you don't get embarrassed. Like, what were, I said, what were you saying? She's like, nothing, nothing. And so I pretended to walk away and I went and hit around the corner and listened to her. And you guys, you parents, you know what that is. And... Uh, <laughs> And as she was looking in the mirror, she was brushing her hair, and she said, Abigail, looking at the mirror by herself, you look good. <laughs> Abigail, you're, you're going to be an amazing piano player. Abby, she's brushing her hair. Abigail, you're the best big sister Matthew's ever going to have. Like, like she, and, and I walked away, and I, I pumped my fist a little bit, and I was like, that's my girl. This little confident girl was prophesying her future. She was speaking into something, and then I began to think, when's the last time I looked in the mirror and said, Taylor, you're going to win today. You're going to be favor everywhere you go. You're going to have the favor of God when you walk in, where everywhere you go. Taylor, you're better looking than your brother. Taylor, you're better looking than Terrence. Taylor, you're better looking. You know it. You knew it was coming. But how many times you get in front of the mirror and you begin to speak words of life into you and because what you say plants a seed into the way you think and the seed that you plant in the way you think begins to change what you feel about yourself. Come on. All right. It says in your outline, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. You are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth. The word snare means trapped. So let's read this again, but use that word, trapped. You are snared in the words no. of your mouth. You are trapped. There you go. In Not, the words of your mouth. You are trapped in the words of your mouth. You are snared in the words of your mouth. You are trapped by the words in your mouth. You are trapped by the words of your mouth. Do I need to say it again? Is it clicking yet? You are trapped by the words of your mouth. So what you say is what releases heaven over your life or diminishes heaven over your life. You are trapped 
by the words that you say. If you say, I'm a no good, rotten, lazy, no good scoundrel, guess what? You have trapped yourself into believing that. But if you walk into the room and say, I am trapped by the words that I say, I am blessed, I am prosperous, I walk in health, I walk in victory, I have trapped myself into the fullness of what God has for me. So the word of God proceeds from my mouth. I can have everything that the word of God says I can have if I'm trapped by the proper words in the conversation that leads me to plant the right kind of seed. Somebody say amen, or I'm gonna come sit there and amen myself. You gotta start calling in your dreams. You gotta start calling in your health. You have to start calling in your anointing. You start walking around saying, I'm anointed to accomplish the assignment that God has put upon my life. I am anointed to raise my children. I am anointed to parent my children. I am anointed in my business. You begin to speak words of life. I am anointed in my marriage. I am anointed in my business. Everything my hand touched, like David prayed in Samuel or in Psalms, it is blessed. Because the words that I say are power and life in the tongue. Come on. Stop talking about the problem and start talking about the promise. The promises, uh, the, the promises of God to you, you've got to begin to pull out of you. The health that God has already put in you, you have to pull out of you. The wisdom that God has put in you has got to be pulled out of you. And let me explain that right now in Genesis chapter 1. Go ahead and read Genesis 1, 11 and 12. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought Ooh, forth vegetation, wait. plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. When God said, let, uh, I cut you off. when God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, he did not speak to the different kinds of vegetation that needed to be sprouted. He didn't speak to blueberries. He didn't speak to strawberries. He didn't speak to watermelon. He spoke to the ground, and everything that was in the ground that he had already put in the ground came into being. <laughs> I'm going to get excited and start running here in a second. Whenever you were created, God put in you everything that you ever needed to have. Oh, uh, uh, keep reading. For, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. At the bottom. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help. So you already have the gift that God has for you on the inside of you. Everything that you ever could need, possibly ask, think, or imagine has already been on the inside of you. You just got to speak to it and it will come out of you. God never looked at the vegetation and said, hey, I need blueberries to come out. I need watermelons to come out. He spoke to the ground, and it produced all that it needed to sustain life. God will speak to you because everything that you need to operate in your calling, to operate in your purpose is available to you, but your words have not planted the seeds that need to be produced to have all that God has called you to live in. kind of want to hover there for a while, but I'm not going. There's three conversations that we have if we're going to renew our mind. In the first conversation in your outline, it'll be on the screen behind me. Write down number one, the conversation I have with me. <laughs> me, M-E. The most important conversation you have outside of talking with God is the conversation you have with yourself. What are you speaking to yourself? What we say has a lot to do with what we accomplish. 
when you are defeating yourself with words, even, even jokingly, there are negative consequences that you create. We were having dinner on Friday night, and I found myself, because I'd already written this and was thinking about it, I love um, sarcastic humor. I excel at it. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> and there's not many times that I can't have a better comeback than you. I get it from my dad. My brother's even better than me. But, like, Whatever you say, I have a comeback for. I, it's just, it just comes up inside. I can't help it. I love it. And I was talking Friday night, and a, a couple of things came out of my mouth, and I was like, I, I, uh, I need to take control of these things. And I got quiet for about 10 minutes. <laughs> Didn't say anything. But then I got back into the flow of it, and we went after it again. I, okay, no, no. You've got to be careful, even joking, what comes out of your mouth. Because even the words that you're joking about are planted seeds. He needs to be here every week. All right. Oh, yeah. Because he gets it. Yeah. You guys are too sophisticated. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I realized that night when I'm sitting there in joking, having fun, in my heart, I thought those things. I didn't mean them, though. I planted seeds. And I've got to be careful with the seeds that I plant. The more you say something, the more it becomes a reality. There are certain things in my life that I don't want to be a reality. So I got to stop. I got to trap those things. It says in your outline in 2 Corinthians. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We all have conversations with ourselves, so what are you telling yourself? Are you taking your thoughts captive? The Bible shows us that we don't let our soul control our thoughts that will take us to a place of defeat. David writes in Psalms, oh my soul, why are you in turmoil with me? David came to the conclusion that my soul is always desiring for something different than God wants. My soul wants me to be defeated and give up with life. Don't let your soul dominate you with inferior or less than thinking. In other words, I need to renew my mind on the truth of what God's word says and abide in that renewal. The second conversation that we need to be aware of, write down number two, the conversation I have with others. Words set the environment. The way you talk to another will determine the health of a relationship. This is especially true in marriage. Have you ever walked in the room? The first five minutes of the conversation that you have when you get home sets the tone for the night. If you walk into the room and you start griping, how come the house isn't clean, Adrienne? You're going to get in trouble. Sorry. If you walk in the room and the words that come out of your mouth are not life-giving, you have just affected your entire night. Because you plant seed and that seed will reap a harvest very quickly in marriage, huh, Terrence? We all know Devin. <laughs> and so what are you saying when you get home? What are you saying to your spouse? What are you saying to your family? What are you saying to your 
friends. Words can create division. Words can create bridges. Words can fix things. It says in Proverbs 10, 21. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. In other words, don't say dumb stuff. <laughs> That's the Taylor translation. The enemy wants you to use your words to divide your family, to divide your home, to divide your church. There's no problems in here, but I will address problems if they come up. The enemy will use your words to divide your friends. You can say words to people that build them up or push them down. The Bible says the fools use conversations that belittle others. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. When you are living with a renewed mind, you are building each other up not cutting each other down. Adrian's tried to teach me this for 15 years. I get on the phone with Cox Internet and everything in me wants to go through that phone and grab them and pull them to the other side of the phone and wring their neck. And she said, no, 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 sir, don't do that. Inside joke. What I'm learning, I'm slow to learn, if I'm kind to them on the phone, no matter how stupid I think they are, it will change the outcome to my favor. Whenever I get on the phone, they can't do anything. They can't help anything. They're just $10 an hour people. They're just trying to be, do their job. And I get mad at them. Well, I'm not doing, the internet stinks here. And all of a sudden, I'm more upset than they are. I planted seeds. And every seed you plant will reap a harvest. The Bible says in all things you reap what you sow. Every seed you plant will produce a harvest. By the words we speak, we set a tone, and we find out in Scripture the words that we are supposed to say in Ephesians 4.29. Let's read it. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits for the, for the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I'm learning whenever you show your inability to retain what you say, it shows how weak-minded you really are. We are to live with the mindset of a renewed mind. Whenever you get mad, whenever you raise your voice, whenever you speak negative things, is that a renewed mind? Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 10, 32. The speech of a good person clears the air. The mm. words of the wicked pollute it. When you live with a renewed mind, your speech should clear the air. Have you ever been in a position where something was painful spoken to you? What did it do? It hurt. It polluted the way you think. It polluted how you saw that person. It polluted how you thought about that person. Have you ever been the one that said those words? Is that the renewed mind? 
are we speaking life into those who are closest to us? A renewed mind builds up. A wicked mind tears down. If you've had someone who has ever spoken against you, I want you to hear me this morning very clearly. It was a wicked mind. They were not speaking against you. A wicked mind spoke against you. God says something different. I don't care what anyone says about me, to me, through me, around me. It doesn't bother me anymore because that's not the word that I have for me. So therefore, I'm not going to let a corrupt, stupid devil allow somebody else to say something that would affect me. So be released from that this morning. It's not true. It's the devil. He's an idiot. He's trying to get into your mind. I'm not afraid of the devil. Did you hear that? I'm not afraid of you, stupid idiot. I tell my kids, we tell them all the time how proud of them we are. Man, Abigail, Matthew, we are so proud of you. You, you, you guys are the best kids that we've ever had. <laughs> you guys are are so cute and, and, and so good looking and, and you've got so much talent and, and we're going to do our best to pull that out of you. In every phase of your life, we're going to pull out the greatness on the inside of you. You should tell your spouse, hey, I've been checking you out when you walk down the hallway. You plant a seed, that harvest will come. The third conversation, I'm going to let that one drop. I had a lot more on that one, but I'm going to let that one drop. We'll do that one. In <laughs> the third conversation that we need to have, and, and I'm going to briefly talk on this one, and this will be where we start next week because this is a game changer for us. Number three, the conversation I have after I have prayed. What do you say after you have prayed for something. I wanna to suggest to you this morning the conversations you have after you prayed has much to do with what you receive. Is your mind renewed? When we have conversations with God, we pray about something. And we say, God, we invite you into this element of conversation. And then you turn right around and call four people and tell them how bad things are. Did you invite God into the situation or not? So therefore, it doesn't matter if the doctor calls and says, hey, you've got a tumor on your big toe. I'm not going to give that foot... I'm not going to give that foothold. <laughs> Terry. Any merit of ground. I prayed about it. I gave it to God, so shut up and quit talking about it. 
the moment you go contradictory to where you invited God in, you release the seed that, of, uh, uh, that will be planted that will not reap the harvest that you asked God to do for you. So now you got to work 10 times harder to get your mind back to a place where you reap the harvest of the seed that God's word says that you are healthy, you are whole, that your body will not be afflicted by any disease. It will not be afflicted by any, what was that COVID-19? It will not be afflicted by any of that stuff. I walk above all that nonsense. And if I sit there and say, oh, the flu season's here, I'm going to get the flu, I'm about to go on a soapbox because it has nothing to do with this. Whenever you come to church and you say, God, I need you to intervene in my life. God, you're blessing me. You're watching out for me. And then you do something that takes you outside of church. That's not God. Sorry, they're not here. It doesn't matter. Sorry, I need to get something off my chest there. Whenever you're saying, God, I invite you into my life. I invite you into this situation. And you turn right around and walk away from the one who you just invited into. Why do you expect different results this time than last time? I'm a mate. No, never mind. In your outline, God's word plus faith plus spoken words equals answered prayer. What happens so often is we hear something and we begin to plant words, seeds of doubt. And that's the harvest you will reap. So whenever you get a bad report, whenever something's not going right, you gotta change your thinking. You gotta change what you say. I don't wake up any time and say, God, I hope you provide for my business today. No, God, today you've provided for my business. Every house I go into will be blessed. Every contact that I make will be blessed. It is a, it is a way, it's a lifestyle that I have in that arena because I know that I know that I know that my God's word will come to pass and if anything outside of what his word said is true, I'm not claiming for my life. So it doesn't really matter what the circumstance looks like in the natural because I'm operating in the spirit. And the spirit says you are blessed, you are highly favored, you will prosper, your marriage will be in good health, your family will be in good health. So therefore, anything outside of that is nonsense and I will not give it merit in my life to plant a seed. The renewed mind doesn't look at your situation and ignore the issue. It looks at your situation and doesn't give anything outside of the work of Jesus a foothold. Therefore, everything I say matters. Everything that proceeds from my mouth becomes important. The word that I say carry life or they carry death. What am I speaking? My conversations need to come from a place of having a renewed mind. 